we'll try and uh, get into the Bible soon. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, thanks so much that we can all grow in knowing Jesus. Please uh, be at work by your Spirit, both here and Sure Hope Kids, that we would all grow in wonder at Jesus and in the ability to, to see him truly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, truth is, you can know the Bible, you can know what it says, and yet you cannot know God. It's actually possible to, to have all this knowledge about the Bible and its message and not actually know God. I know that from experience. I grew up in a Christian family. And my dad worked at a parachurch organisation. I was a smart kid, and so by the time I'm in primary school, I could blitz the, the Sunday school quiz. I could answer every question. I knew what the Bible says. You could tell, I could tell you the books of the Bible in order, the whole thing. And yet I didn't know God. I wasn't sure he existed. I had major reservations. In fact, secretly, I knew I was disobeying him. I, there were parts of my life I did not want him to be in charge of. And so I'd sit in church week after week. I was in the band. I was helping out around church. And yet, in my life, it all meant nothing. Now, the Bible tells us this is common. And it actually has a, a, a picture for it to help us understand it. It's the picture of blindness spiritual blindness and the bible says we're all born with it now i don't know which about you but if i think about the senses i would dread to lose i'd struggle without a sense of touch i i'd miss my sense of smell i'd feel isolated without the ability to hear but i reckon the most difficult sense to lose would be sight don't you especially being born blind. They, they do studies of, of the development processes and if you're born blind, you have significant disadvantages in terms of development. So apparently, I was reading this article, your social development is hindered because you can't read non-verbals. Your motor development is affected because you're not even aware that there's stuff near you and so you don't bother to try and reach out and grab it as a, as a baby. Uh, your cognitive development is affected because you don't see the objects and therefore you don't start to develop concepts in your mind to try and describe them. Um, the language acquisition is delayed because um, others don't interact with you as much because you don't respond to them. And so you don't get the input to actually then learn to speak. In the end, your, your independence is affected because a lot of the learning we do is by watching other people do stuff. That's how you learn to, to function and yet you don't see people doing stuff. Unless someone stops and explains it to you, uh, you don't learn how to do something. Being born blind has huge implications and so it's a powerful picture of, of the human problem. We are born blind when it comes to spiritual reality. In terms of knowing God, we, we just have no idea. We don't recognise that this world is made by him. Um, we don't perceive his hand in events in our life. Spiritually, we are all handicapped. And in John 9, we don't just see Jesus heal a man's physical blindness. He actually heals his spiritual blindness as well. And we see it in contrast to the Pharisees who stay blind the entire time. They're not healed. 
and, and we also really see the horrible consequences it has in their life. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go through this passage and see how God is at work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please open our eyes as we read this story that we might see who you really are, that we might see the great danger of being blind and the ways in which we can perpetuate it uh, by our behaviour. We ask that we would be humble enough to turn to Jesus and receive sight. We pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, so what causes blindness? Well, medically, there are many causes. There's nerve development problems. There's the failure of the lens. But the Old Testament points us to a deeper cause of all blindness. It's up on the screen. It's sin. Deuteronomy chapter 28, if we can have that up on the screen, verse 15. Uh, God is in the midst of promising blessing to his people. He turns around and warns them. He says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And then if you go down to verse 28, the Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness and confusion of mind. At midday you will grope about like a blind person in the dark. You'll be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day you'll be oppressed and robbed and with no one to rescue you. So that's important background to have because it makes the, the disciples' question at the start of this chapter a little less rude, doesn't it? They're just doing simple theology. They see a man born blind and they figure, well, either he sinned or he was born blind because his parents sinned. Verse 1. As he went along, he, Jesus, saw a man blind from birth and he, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, through the miracle, Jesus teaches us a wonderful lesson, and that is that um, sin and suffering is not a one-to-one connection. You can't draw simple lines between this moment of suffering and this action of sin. It's not that every suffering we experience in life is due to specific things that we've done wrong. Sometimes suffering is simply exposing the darkness. Suffering is creating a moment where Jesus can shine hope and reveal his goodness. Read verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Don't know specifically why this suffering comes, but it's a reminder that there, this is a sinful, broken world. It is not the world it should be. And Jesus comes to heal it. And heal it he does. He, he heals this man's blindness. And notice how physical it is. It's actually a little bit gross. Verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. It's beautiful, isn't it? And his neighbours are surprised. They can't believe their eyes. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? Verse 8, his neighbours and those who had seen him, formerly seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, only, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. So his neighbours are struggling to see. And, and it turns out so is this man. It's worth remembering, he hasn't seen Jesus yet. So he came to Jesus blind. 
he left Jesus with mud on his eyes. He didn't get to see until much later when Jesus was long gone. And so when they're asking him questions about Jesus, he's a bit vague. Verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, well, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and then I could see. Oh, where is the man? They asked him. Uh, I don't know, he said. So the man still hasn't seen Jesus. He's still in the dark. And then we meet the Pharisees and it turns out that they're in the dark. And it's the, the significant thing going on here is the difference in their journeys. The, the blind man, more and more he's seeing Jesus, but the Pharisees, they have something in the way, something that is preventing them. In fact, I reckon there's, there's four things that are going on here that are preventing them from seeing Jesus properly. The first one is religion, bad religion. See, they put rules above relationships. They, they care about observing a special religious day, the Sabbath, more than the fact that a man has been healed of blindness. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisee the man who had been blind. Now, on the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, was a Sabbath. And therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. I think we understand why the gross way of healing now. It just aggravated that he made mud on a Sabbath. Uh, he made mud, put it on my eyes, and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But we do are reminded that the Pharisees aren't totally blind yet. Some of them get it, some of them don't. And meanwhile, the man who's been healed, he's not sure about Jesus. He takes a punt that maybe he's a prophet. Verse 16. Some Pharisees say Jesus isn't from God, but others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. And then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, well, he is a prophet. Okay, so religion is in the way. The second thing that could keep them from seeing Jesus is fear. We actually see that in the man's parents. They don't want to decide who Jesus is. They sort of shift the blame because they don't want to be excluded from the synagogue. They don't want to lose their position in society. Verse 18. They, the Pharisees, still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Well, we know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, well, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And that was why his parents said, he is of age, asked him. So they're afraid, but also we're immediately introduced to the cynicism of the Pharisees. This is the third thing, cynicism. Cynicism is different to scepticism. So scepticism is asking questions and demanding evidence. It's all right to be sceptical. It's all right to, to, to seek to understand more and check out claims. That's okay. Cynicism means you know the answer before you've even asked the question. You're not interested in finding truth. Verse 24, the Pharisees asked the same questions they asked before, but now they're telling this man 
the answers they want. Have a look. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become these disciples too? I just love this guy. He's, he's picked up their cynicism and he's just throwing it in their face. Religion fears cynicism, but the deeper problem is pride. When this man challenges the Pharisees, it really hits a nerve because how dare he, the beggar, lecture them, the spiritual elite. Have a look at verse 28. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are the fellow's disciple, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from? He opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't, does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And there's just this deep irony with that last answer, isn't there? Because Jesus was asked the same question at the start, whether the man was blind because of sin from birth, and the answer was no. But now the Pharisees, who've shown their blindness, they pronounce judgment instead. The Pharisees are blind. They cannot see Jesus. They can't see the truth. And what's stopping them is religion, fear, cynicism and pride. And they do it today, don't they? Religion. Religion is a very convenient way to avoid wrestling with the truth, isn't it? I, I see it door knocking or inviting people to church. You ask them if they want to talk about Jesus and, and, and explore what they know about him. And it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm an atheist. No, I'm Muslim. Uh, that more weird one, no, I'm Catholic. Like, surely we can talk about Jesus. Of course, I hope we don't do it ourselves because it's sort of, I don't know, for me it's an easy answer, you know, when the Jehovah's Witness of the Mormons come to the door and and I I don't want to be honest and say I'm not interested, I'm busy and so I say, oh, I'm I'm Christian, I'm I'm Presbyterian. Sorry, religion is not an excuse to stop investigating the truth. I, I know sometimes I'm busy but I'll be honest about that. I've got to keep telling myself, I can't just use the label. I've got to be asking, is this the real deal? And I know, I, I know I can have the conversation with a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon because I trust that the Bible is God's truth and it will prove itself right. That's where my confidence lies. Okay, fear. It's a simple question, isn't it? What would it cost you to choose to follow Jesus? What does it cost you to listen to God's word and let it rule your life instead of just following the trend, instead of just doing what other people want you to do. Jesus himself warned it might cost family, home, status. But surely it is far better than being spiritually blind. 
The other big problem today, cynicism. See it in talking to some atheists, unfortunately, where they, where they just exclude the evidence because it doesn't fit their belief system. But I reckon one of the classic examples is pluralism, isn't it? That's a really cynical endeavour because we, we have decided that we can't know God truly and so we just insist that all religions must be the same and we're going to relativise all their truth claims. They're all equally true. So you see it on campus with universities where they'll be happy to have Muslim week and they'll be happy to have Jesus week. The one thing they're a little more nervous about you proposing to run is a debate between the Muslims and the, the Christians. Because that would suggest that there might be right answers and wrong answers and, and we can't have that sort of conflict. You've got to be accepting and tolerant. That's actually cynicism, that we can't know the truth. We need to be willing to ask the hard questions. And, and I mean, the whole censorship that the Pharisees were on about there, I mean, that, you see that play out, where you're not allowed to raise any differences or concerns. Don't let that stop you from feeling spiritual blindness. Religion, fear, cynicism and pride, because in the end that's what's really behind it all, isn't it? The belief that I know best. I'm a follower of Moses. I'm a scientist. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Christian. And therefore, I have all the answers. I don't need to look any further. Can you see that is exactly what Jesus is stopping us from doing? The way this man is healed from his blindness is that he is humbly accepting Jesus. He needs Jesus. The way to see Jesus is to need Jesus. Look at verse 35. He knows he's still blind and so he asks Jesus. When Jesus asks him about the Son of Man, he says, well, I don't know, tell me. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Adrian pointed out to us in the study this week, this is the first time in John we see someone worship Jesus. There was discussion with the Samaritan woman and Jesus said that God was seeking true worshippers and now here he is. It's the guy who knows he doesn't know God but he wants Jesus to reveal it to him. He finds Jesus by asking. And, and that's the contrast to the Pharisees. The Pharisees proudly think they know. They think they don't need Jesus. And Jesus says that's what's keeping them bright. That's what's condemning them. Listen to verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. How does Jesus come? How does judgment happen around Jesus? It's not that he comes to decry that person or that person. It's that he speaks the truth. He offers knowledge of God. And as people reject it, that's their condemnation. Friends, of all the senses I could lose, I'd, just, I'd hate to lose my sight. You can imagine how crazy it would be. I am blind 
and along comes Fred Hollows, and he offers to remove my cataracts and make me see, and I say, no, I'm doing okay, thanks. That's the mistake we can make with Jesus. We think we're self-sufficient and we don't need him. We don't look to him to, to give us spiritual sight, to really understand this world, to understand my life from God's perspective. We do it if we're not Christians. We, we dismiss Jesus without seriously investigating him. We use religion and fear as excuses. We hide it with sin and cynicism, but in the end it's all pride. I am not willing to seriously investigate Jesus because I think I've got it all sorted out. But equally as Christians, we can be just as proud. It is a great reminder for all of us. We only know God because he reveals it to us. And honestly, for me at the moment, my big challenge I'm working through in life is simply learning to live as the creature, not as someone who thinks he's got it all together. Remember my phrase at the moment, I want to be a creature living before a loving God, learning to encounter every situation, recognising that I'm not in control, but I know the one who is, and I can pray to him, and he hears my prayers. I think that is a healthy place to live life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognise that we are spiritually blind, that all of us are born, cut off from you, our habit is to turn away, and we need you to open our eyes. Uh, if we don't know Jesus, help us to see who he really is. We pray that we would grasp hold of Jesus as our Saviour. And Heavenly Father, for those of us who do know Jesus, please guard us from a foolish attitude that thinks we've probably got it worked out now. Help us to keep listening. Help us to keep depending on him by his Spirit to reveal your plans for our lives, your purposes for this world, and help us to align ourselves to him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we might close in song, and then I'll have some announcements after that. I was getting